welcome to MandoCast, Star Wars Reports podcast, where I discussed the latest episode, or in this case, just a recap of the season of The Mandalorian on Disney Plus with a weekly rotating guest. Since I wanted to do a, you know, sort of a, a wrap up, speculation, cover everything uh, that we're seeing, I, you know, I thought there's only one person that I can get in here to do this. Uh, I've, I've got to have Mark Herleman back in, like he's got so much insight. He had so much, you know, so many expectations, uh, you know, thoughts and everything. I'm like, I've, I've got to, now that the season's wrapped up, I got to hear his opinion and I immediately locked it down tighter than Pablo Hidalgo's Twitter account. So ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, Mark Herleman. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's funny. I was just reading uh, friends' uh, interpretations of of Pablo's Twitter account, and I'm like, I miss Pablo on Twitter. Like when he locked that down, I I, I lost all my Decepticon fan art. <laughs> that guy had so, that guy had some talent. Like he had more to provide than just Star Wars. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> he's he's still managing to get himself in trouble. So right, even when it locked hot down. Seat. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Pablo, just take a vacation, mm. dude. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. He's actually a new character in uh, Light of the Jedi as a Jedi architect. Really? Yeah, spoiler alert. Okay. Well, so that's the third Pablo Hidalgo character then. Yeah, right? Because we have uh, Pablo Jill from uh, Attack of the Clones. So we Ooh. have this character. And then there was also uh, Pablo. It was essentially just like a, um, oh, I forget what you call it, uh, where you mix up the letters. Oh, man. You know what I'm talking about? The, uh, yeah, the smash up. Yeah, Antigram yeah. or something like that? Yeah. 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 Uh, but there was actually that in the uh, X-Wing tabletop game. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, this one's similar to that. It's like it's Pablo... Hilaga or something like that. It's really like, oh yeah, I know, I know who you're. I know that individual that you're trying to say right there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, a- anagram was the word I was I was trying to think of, you know. But uh, yeah, it, uh, all right. Well, you know, <laughs> it's it, it's a a note reference though because like you know in, in Pablo's role with Lucasfilm overseeing more than just one thing. This episode is overseeing eight glorious episodes of season two of The Mandalorian. So I, I, I feel like uh, pretty awesome right now, like a VIP that I was brought in in this role. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, I, I should mean, go get my patty hat so I have a more Pablo feel. Well, uh, you know, the, the main thing that I, I got to bring up, of course, is, uh, you know, we mentioned the, uh, the Beskar, you know, does it block lightsabers? Mm-hmm. And turns out it does, and I, like that wasn't even something I had thought about until you had mentioned it on the episode you were on. Yeah, which I believe. Yeah, is- and in fact, that I loved when we got to later episodes when we saw the dark saber going up against the spear, and we saw the spear heating up. I've seen mm-hmm. some fan theory videos where they're like, "That proves that the dark saber burns hotter than a lightsaber because the lightsaber never did that." I'm like, mm. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> In right, that fight right. with Ahsoka, her lightsabers do not heat up. And I, I, 
I think it's safe to say that both Gideon and the uh, the lady that was wielding the saber spear there were both pushing as hard against the sabers. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's pretty. I mean, you know, I think fans are, are pretty astute when they observe things. And sometimes the proof is in the pudding right there at the beginning. And when that thing lit up, I was all like, ooh, oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, that, I think that, that's the thing with season two. This whole season was chock full of oh my episodes. Oh, I yeah. was looking back <laughs> over the eight, and the only one that I I would say hesitantly was the worst. Uh, no, no, least favorite, least right, favorite, because right. there was no worst episode. Uh, least favorite would have probably been the passenger. Yeah, I um, agree, hundred percent. Yeah, it was, and even that one had some excitement at the end. So that's why I was like, I couldn't say it was the worst episode because it it had a lot of really cool moments in it too. But it was probably the one out of all of them that I was kind of like, uh, what was the point? You know, I mean, we saw the ship get shot up and stuff, and it gets repaired later, and then gets totally. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> aside from that, though, I'm looking at this and every one is awesome. Marshall, we get to see, uh, you know, a, a tie to the new canon books where we see, uh, you know, the guy that's got the armor that is the Marshall. We get to see the fat armor. We get to see the tease. We get to the passenger. We get the frog lady. But Eris, the episode that you and I did together, oh, that was just so much fun. All the oh, backstory yeah. on the Mandalorians dropped in our laps, following that up with uh, the siege, which turned out to be a lot more fun. That was uh, a fun was episode. Expecting. Yeah. That one had the, the great speeder bike chase and stuff. Uh-huh. The Jedi, you can't go wrong bringing in Ahsoka Tano, no matter how you go about it. The tragedy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we learn what happens to the ship in that one. That was harsh. Um, believer, some people would have said that one was a throwaway one, but I felt that one was a very poignant episode. Love bringing back Bill Burr. Um, the relationship, the regards with Bill Burr and what they had in season one about the mask and the way that that played out in the plot was great, man. Uh, and then of course the rescue, which is probably my most watched of this, this season next to the heiress and the Jedi. Um, I think those are easily the three top episodes for me as a a fan of things that interconnect i feel like those ones really delivered a lot Mm -hmm. um but yeah man i'm excited i don't know how you want to tackle this if you want to go one episode at a time or all over the place i'm down for all man Uh, well i mean you know so we uh, well i mean we can start you know kind of jumping in from here to there but i I gotta say you know one thing that you you brought up was you know talking about the importance of some of these episodes right like uh specifically the passenger and the believer but there are definitely, you know, the thing is that, like, you, you have to tether everything together. You can't just jump, right? Like, you can't um, completely, because then people go, wait, when was that ever brought up? I was like, okay, well, you know, it was sort of hinted at in that other episode that you thought was a, a filler episode. So, right. to be more specific, this whole, when you go back to the passenger the the key thing there was those X-wing fighters, right? Is establishing the um, the New Republic, where uh, Din fits into everything. Why they would actually be after Din? You know, going back to that um, that other episode, uh, uh, the Prisoner, which also had sort of been considered a uh, a throwaway episode, um, and. Or, or filler episode, you know, and so basically it links that into the New Republic, which then once you get to the Believer, um, 
you, I'm sorry, not the believer. Uh, before that, even. But but point is, it starts leading to where these X-wing pilots show up, and you know, so they end up giving Kara that badge, and you know, even uh, I, I've even heard. I don't know for sure, but I've even heard talks that possibly the the believer uh, with that episode that we may see Bill Burr as a regular in that. Uh, new republic show oh the rangers one yeah yeah so that maybe i've heard that rumor yeah so i mean you, you could see Kara, and you could see um you know uh mayfeld bill burr's character possibly being in that i mean i, I think that makes sense i don't know if if that's going to 100 percent be true i mean a lot of that i think is you know speculation do you, do you know how much of the new stuff coming out favreau is attached to as a producer you know what i have not looked um at it, you know, specifically, that's a really good question. Because, I mean, if, if he's like the Feige of the new Star Wars stuff, if he's a producing on all of this stuff in some form or fashion, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see characters pop up a heck of a lot more. I mean, Filoni being one character, uh, you know, you know, he's going to show up more. <laughs> You've got him in house. So right. that makes perfect sense. But the way that Favreau has been going about bringing in friends and other celebrities and stuff like that to make appearances on the show. He's been bright about it and brilliant. And so, I mean, if there's a way to reuse Mayfield's character, Mm -hmm. absolutely. I could see them doing that again. I mean, it's, they keep talking about it as, as the sandbox, which is always, I think from a podcaster perspective, you know, you talking about the love of star Wars and it was always George's sandbox. And then the writers came in and then, you know, the, the talks about George didn't play with their toys and these toys. And when they talk about it, it's in the same way where they're talking about you know they were always like the little brothers and and they always got the cast off toys the ones that no one wanted and so that's why you see characters that are ugonauts and characters that are are figures that would have been the the cast offs that the little brother would have got that the older brothers kept all the really cool rex and ahsoka figures and all that and every now and again you got an extra ahsoka figure to play with the way that they come at the story making just it's it's brilliant and i absolutely mm-hmm. love it and it's something that i feel like favreau does very well we were talking about uh one of the comments that he had made recently where he says i come up with ideas and sometimes dave will say no you can't do this in star wars then i'll create and cite examples from the movies or clone wars or use it as a justification i'm like a lawyer talking to a judge i am to him as he was to george i won't do anything without dave's approval and to his credit he understands what star wars needs to be fun and ever evolving and that that relationship with those two and the, and what they bring to the creative table for this IP has me beyond giddy. Like honestly, oh, yeah. they both need to have permanent seats in the story group because that's who you want in that aspect of storytelling because these guys get how to tell really good stories and how to tell a bigger tapestry at a level of, you know, when you zoom in on those eight picks, uh, the eight pixel characters and stuff, and you make your little Mario drawing. And then when you zoom out, you're like, oh, it's Mario. They're really good at doing that zoomed in part, knowing exactly what to put where. So when you zoom out, you get a beautiful tapestry. That's the kind of creatives you need behind the storytelling process. And that's why I absolutely in love with the show. And I'm hoping Favreau is attached to a lot more of the shows because that interconnectivity is something that he has mastered. Right, right. So I, I'm looking right now, right, at um, some of this stuff, and the only thing that I'm seeing for sure on IMDb is uh, the Book of Boba Fett. Um, so, you know, I don't know past that, you know, if, um, for instance, like with that Rangers of, of the Republic, I don't know 
if if he's attached to that. But mm. you know, I can say so. I'm looking here. It seems like both him and Filoni are also attached to uh, the Ahsoka show. So, okay. but again, you know, I still take some of that stuff with a grain of salt. Cause I, right. I don't know a hundred. Like they told us we're not going to get any type of uh, TV shows with the high Republic era. And then the acolyte drops. So, <laughs> you know, and, and honestly, Mar in the Marvel side of things, Disney's been doing that a lot where they, you know, some people are lying to the fans eh, from well, a certain point of view, but I think it's a necessary thing. I mean, when you see the reactions to characters like, uh, you know, Grogu showing up for the first time and nobody knew about him or, you know, Luke, showing up at the end of the season and people freaking out. I think that when you're able to keep those things secret, it works really well as the surprise. Because when I found out the acolyte was tied into the high Republic era, I was beyond thrilled because that was definitely something they told us they wouldn't be doing. And then just like with the book of Boba Fett, that wasn't announced when they announced all the TV shows because they wanted to keep that a secret for that surprise factor. So the fact that they, you know, Disney side of things as well as Favreau are paying attention to those things gives me confidence because what I'm seeing on the screen so far has been gold, man. I mean, I, I say it a lot, but I do feel like we are in a golden age of Star Wars, even though I may be a fan of shows and books like Legends that no longer exist. There is still content that makes me drool and salivate, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, so here's the thing. Um, you know, the thing is, it's, it's not necessarily a lie if, you know, as much as it could just be things changed. Uh, for instance, True. that, uh, you know, that Acolyte show is still, to best I can tell, it's it's probably the one that's like the least fleshed out um, out of everything that they've uh, set up so far. Um, with I mean... Mm -hmm maybe some of the others but like for instance i i've heard rumors of the lando stuff for a while um you know the others are mostly just sort of like animated short type things you know the ahsoka stuff uh, like it's it's likely that that's something that um you know could have been uh, added on after you know what i mean like that um th them saying you know this actually would be fine to s like what if we set this during the high republic era yeah okay um right. you know so it's it's possible that could be what's going on there in all honesty i'm not getting too excited uh about a lot of this stuff just because i don't know how you know uh, how certain it is that we're going to get it because mm -hmm. of how things go i mean it's you know, I think I said on, on the Detours. last episode or so. Well, uh, not even that. Do you realize that they announced more Star Wars live action content in um, that little, you know, uh, press junket or whatever you call it than they did, than they've actually put out in the time that they've owned Star Wars or that since Disney's owned Star Wars? True. So. True. I mean, and you look at all the, the stuff that's been canceled or, you know, they've lost directors, you know, and stuff that uh, just, you know, quietly went away. There, there's just, there's so much there. And I, you know, a lot of this stuff, I'm like, okay, yeah, I mean, like, I want to get excited about the Lando show, but I'm not going to just yet because I don't know how set in stone that is, you know, like, uh -huh. I, I don't know that... That's something that we're for sure going to get. I can see the, you know, I think that Book of Boba Fett's definitely going to happen since it seems to be the thing that's, you know, next on the list to, to come out. Um, 
And I think that, uh, you know, past that, uh, you know, Ahsoka seems pretty strong. You know, I think that we'll get another, um, uh, you know, I think, I think we'll get, you know, that, that third season of, um, Mandalorian, you know, like stuff like that, you know, bad batch is animated. So I, I suspect we'll get that, but you know, the Cassian Andor show has went through so many uh, stops and sputters, you know, like, mm-hmm. I don't know when that thing's going to come out. Right. Uh, you know, we had the whole uh, Taika Waititi thing was supposed to come, but now it seems like the the Rogue Squadron is actually going to be happening before that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, you know, it's like, is the Taika Waititi thing, you know, how, how set in stone is some of this stuff, you know? Um, and, and well, so and like with the, the Mandalorian itself, how many seasons were they originally planning? Were they right. pl- planning it to be a show that if it was successful, they'll just let it go until it's no longer successful. Did they have an idea that they were only going to do four seasons? And then after that, they were going to be done. Mm-hmm. Cause like we've been told with Kenobi, it's going to be a mini series. It's going to be just a, what six or eight episodes and that's it. We're not going to get anything more. Right. When I think of the Lando show, I, I kind of feel like that's the, that's the route you're going to want to go. Anytime mm-hmm. you're going to have to be dealing with an actual, uh, you know, main actor, somebody that's been out and about doing other projects and stuff. You don't want to tie them to a show that's going to go on for 15 seasons um, because of the nature of just things changing in the background already. Right. Uh, but it, it allows them to tell what the, they need to tell and I feel like by doing mini series and stuff versus longer shows, your quality of the story that you're telling is going to be much better because you're going to be able to see your story to its conclusion mm-hmm. and not one of those where, well, we got a great story evolve out of these plots, but then we got to the end and, and kind of everything hit the rails there at the end. And right. you could tell, I mean, like think about like heroes, right? When all those strikes and stuff happen. Oh and that yeah. Was a, yeah great show and you could tell when the writer strike happened in that show and then everything from there it all falls apart yeah yeah and they never they never were able to get it back on track yeah yeah mm-hmm. for sure and i mean yeah that that's the thing is you know i like i said I, i'm with you on the whole you know uh Filoni and favreau i think those two um they've got a great chemistry for uh telling fun stories that are you know within the the star wars language um you know and and i think that so long as they're attached to stuff i think that it's going to be fun and and we're going to enjoy it the other stuff you know we'll see how it goes if it even comes out you know i i I don't know i like i'm excited you know like i want to know i want to see like i said this uh this Rangers of the New Republic, but like I'm, I'm looking here. I don't even see, you know, that they're attached to it whatsoever. I don't know when we're going to get it. It may come out, uh, in 2021. It may come out in 2022. You know, I mean, heck that we're not even going to get a season or at least, uh, maybe this is just rumor, but I, I think it's, it certainly seems the way things are going that we will not actually get Mandalorian in 2021. You know, right. That, that um, right. Book of Boba Fett's going to come a out. Big question. Yeah. Book of Boba Fett's <laughs> going to come out in December and then we'll probably see, um, you know, Mandalorian return, you know, uh, January, maybe February in 2022. So, you know, we, um, 
I mean, we don't we don't quite know. And and the thing is, you know, on top of uh, like I said, Lucasfilm's history with um, you know, it's like, oh, we're doing this. Uh, no, we're not. Oh, we're gonna do this. Uh, well, no, we're not. You know, this person's attached to this. Well, right. now they're not. You know, on top of that, the the COVID stuff has made it even less. Uh, you know, reliable. So we definitely have a lot up in the air right now. And, you know, I know everybody's almost like, Oh, let's get excited and speculate and everything. But like, I can't, I can't help but to be, uh, <laughs> you know, to be more like, I guess, uh, realistic on it and, and just like, okay, but remember, like we don't know. So I don't know, maybe, maybe that's cynicism. I feel like it's just being realistic, but you know, right. I, like I said, I, I you know, I, I think that we're going to, I think there's certain things, like I mentioned, you know, Boba Fett, uh, you know, Mandalorian. I, th- I think that stuff's set. I think we're good. Um, some of the other stuff, I think, you know, stands to, to definitely happen, but could, uh, you know, take a little bit longer for us to get it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, one thing I think, hands down across the board with season one and two, uh, it just doesn't get enough love. Uh-huh is Ludwig Granson's music. I I got to say man, like when moments happen in the show, mm-hmm. his music works. Like there's techno songs for certain aspects of things, the the western feel like when we're, you know, in the Marshall episode and stuff, uh, the the tension when we get to the the greater Krayat dragon. Uh, yeah. just a lot of stuff like that. Like I I really feel like I could just put on his soundtracks and stuff and just I'm right there. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like it's weird because you would think more people would be talking about it because his style is just so different from everything we've gotten in star Wars. And there's not as much of the same typical themes that we're used to reappearing. It's almost all like it's being created for the first time. And then we have themes that grow out of that organicness. And I just, I feel like the guy just doesn't get enough credit. Like I, I really appreciate the work he's done. And I think that gallery uh, episode on the music from season one is probably where if you haven't seen that, that's the one to watch, watch that episode. And then the following one, I think the last two episodes of season one uh, mm-hmm. of those episodes and, and yeah, the way he went about creating the music and discovering the sound. And then when you watch these and stuff, it just, it's great because one of the things I noticed when I'm watching it on my, on my rewatches and stuff, like when I watched the last episode all over again with the rescue, it's when we get to those iconic moments and Luke's walking down the hall and stuff. Yeah. The music just brings goosebumps to the forefront of your skin. You just, I mean, just can't help, but just be like, Whoa. And each time it builds, like you, you watch it again and again and your ears and your eyes just mesh and just the more you watch it, the more it just embeds itself in your soul. Like I, I was on the fence the first time I watched Luke walk in and I was like kind of in complete shock that they actually brought that character into the show first. Then yeah, there was yeah, the, that's the what, shock of how. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's just stop and talk about that. I mean, like go over that with me. What, like what was going through your mind when, uh, when, when that X-wing flew up? When it first happened, I was trying in my mind, I was hoping it was Kyle Kurtarn. I was like, oh, oh. I was like, I was like they're going to throw a curveball. But ah, come realistically, on, man. looking back on that, Kutarn, that would have been just so out of nowhere. And nobody but like five Legends fans would have gotten it. Well, I mean, more than five, but the general audience would have had no clue who the hell that would have been. So that wouldn't have worked. 
And then I'm sitting there and like, you know, he ignites the lightsaber and I immediately had that sneaking suspicion of like, dude, this has got to be Luke. And then I'm trying to look at the hilt, you know, and, and on the first through, there's really only like two spots at the beginning that you can really get a good look at the hilt. Right. And by the time I thought to look for the hilt, the first viewing, I was past those. So I couldn't quite lock in on that. So I was still in that, like, is it, is it? No, it isn't. Is it, is it? No. And it's not till he lifted his hood that I was like, oh, okay, it is. Yeah. Second viewing, I know it's him, but I'm looking for those tell you know, yeah. details. And I, I noticed the saber right away this time. I'm like, Oh, okay. Third time was when I noticed the music mm-hmm. while it was going on. And I was paying attention to what, uh, Grogu was doing. And the fourth one, dude, it was just, it all clicked together. And I had that emotion. And plus I'd, I'd watched that, uh, 21 jump street, uh, little meme where those no 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 <laughs> so like i definitely by the time i got to the third and fourth viewing those reactions i was beyond joy i was having a blast but the first ones i was still processing it so i still didn't put in my mind where the time frame of this was so i was like oh god you know now he's dead you just you just screw grogu he's going off to luke to get chopped <laughs> up and butchered no <laughs> But then I, I realized that there's still like 20 something, 25 years before those events even happen. And yeah. then I was like, yeah, okay. Okay. It, and so I put that negative con list off to the side and watched it again without that. And I dude, just nothing but greatness, man. That was such a cool moment. Uh, I was, my other downside was I wanted, I'm a Sebastian Stan guy. I wanted to see Sebastian Stan do it. So when I saw the digitation kind of like, I was like, I don't know, but Again, the more times I watch it, the more I'm able to accept it. Just like the Han Solo movie, it becomes something I love. And by the fourth watching, that's probably one of my favorite moments in all of the show because you have that moment where Din takes off the helmet and Grogu touches his face. And I just, man, just that delivery in that moment of everything that we've gone through on this journey with Din Mm -hmm. was so powerful that it, as soon as it was over, made me wonder where do we as a show go from here outside of the aspect of, you know, the Boba Fett show, when this show will come, you know, when they talked about the Jedi, it was like, okay, so is Grogu going to go off with the Jedi? And from that point is our perspective of Grogu going to disappear until Grogu comes back in the story? Or are we also going to split the Mandalorian and have two points of view, what's going on with Din and what's going on with Grogu. I kind of lean more towards that. We won't know about Grogu again until Grogu comes back into the story. But right. I mean, they have that opportunity that they could tell us a Jedi story in the Mandalorian, because even though Grogu is off with Luke, I still feel like it is clear that Grogu is part of the den of two and that Din is still his father, even though he's with who he's meant to be with. I feel like right. that connection hasn't gone away just because Luke now has Grogu. Yeah. Um, I mean, possibly. I, I Look, they, they're not going to they wouldn't be foolish enough to just never give uh give us grogu again i mean he's come on right he's coming back no matter what but that's where i'm like he's if he goes off the train with luke i don't necessarily know we're gonna get to watch that i would love to watch that but i don't think we're gonna get to watch that we're gonna just see when din runs into him again wherever the plot comes at least that's kind of where i'm leaning towards where they're gonna go i would rather they give us two points of view from that point on and we follow both characters. But I feel like that would be distracting to the overall show and for Din's story to now also take time out of each episode to focus on Grogu. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, 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 I agree with you. And I, I don't think that they would do. Yeah. I, I think that there's going to be maybe sort of a, a, 
re uh like a reunion or something like that i mean like so we got to see i don't yeah i don't think that they're going to keep him out for too long i don't necessarily think that we're going to get a like luke skywalker and Gro- grogu show now i mm. just you know i don't I don't Just know. Say, I, find yeah. a way to tie Ahsoka into that. Like maybe the first season of Ahsoka, she goes to Luke's temple to help him set up to train. Well, she's like, this is a bad idea, Luke. This is a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. You know, honestly, that would be super cool. I, I would love to see, you know, Ahsoka and, and Luke meet. Um, you know, right. I, I, I would at least have like you that. seen that one meme where it's like four panels and Luke's like, oh, he came back at the end. She's like, Luke, I wish you could have met your father. And he's like, I did. At the end, he came back. And she's like, tears all welling up in yeah. her eyes. She drops, he came back. I'm like, oh, yeah. oh, you got me, man. Damn, yeah. turn that knife. Yeah, yeah. No, it's like I, I, I want to see that. Um, I, I, as far as yeah, like I said, I don't know. I, I just think everybody just needs to kind of keep the keep the sequel trilogy in the rear view. I, I mean, it's not. I don't know. I I I, I don't think that we're we necessarily have to be concerned about um you know going oh well we know that all these things happen so it's like eh, just just hold out just see how it plays out you know I don't I don't mm. think that they're I, I don't feel like that uh, Favreau and Filoni are as focused on seeing that as a a finish line as much as they are looking at their story and seeing where it's going to, does that make sense? Like, yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I, I like, I like the way you put it with not seeing it as a finishing line because yeah. I know like, especially with like, with my brain, the way I connect the dots, sometimes mm-hmm. it feels like, you know, that's the finish line is you got to connect the one story. And we finally caught up to that with all these other little stories. Now, oh, we're there, you yeah. know, like, cause that was like my big thing with uh, legacy, the comic series, and legends was we never got to that end point. You know, we mm-hmm. let off at crucible where we, we knew Jaina was getting married. We saw her get married, but we never watched fell become the emperor. We never saw, you know, all the other stuff in the middle and dang it, it's not complete. <laughs> yeah. I just, like I said, I, I think that, um, I mean, look at how, how Dave has, you know, his history with, with stuff, right? We all had these assumptions about Ahsoka that Ahsoka would not live past the clone wars. And right. he's like, mm, not necessarily, you know. And so then we think, oh, okay, well, they're probably going to kill her off in Rebels. Not necessarily, you know. And and so I think that at this point, you know, Dave is is like, okay, you know, don't don't necessarily just think that. Oh well, we've seen these things, so we know that that the like it has to adhere to that. And I don't know that that's really the case. Dave's gonna he's gonna tell this the Star Wars story he wants to tell. And he'll make the room necessary uh, to tell that story without, you know, it being, uh, you know, contradicted or, or um, you know, clashing with, with the, the other story going on. So, like I said, I don't, that's my biggest thing. You know, I I just don't see much point. You know, I, like, I, I don't even see why you would want to be trying to build up to the sequel trilogy because they're done. They're over with. I mean, the thing is, for the general public... I think they're, you know, near forgotten at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that everybody's looking toward other stuff. Um, I, you know, I just, I don't, I don't see much point in, in doing it. You know, if it was stuff that like, if we were building to it, you know, like if, if they were doing them three years apart 
and you know we had only just gotten the second movie or wherever we would be at this point or something like okay maybe but right. it's it's done with i i don't see any any um i don't see anything positive about trying to build towards something that you know, I mean, like it would be one thing if you're if you're building towards something that was just like a massive classic, like like the you know the original trilogy or something like that. But I just I don't see I don't see the necessity for it. I would hope, like like in a pipe dream sense, you know, my big negativity with the the sequel trilogy is that in the end we see all the Jedi basically lose, and Ray has the potential for rebuilding a new Jedi order, but it kind of seems like they put her in a spot where she's basically going to turn and walk away from all of it. I would love to see the Jedi order kind of be rebuilt, but everybody knows about Luke's order and stuff. But what if we see what ends up happening with Ahsoka? And what if Ahsoka ends up doing something fundamentally different from what Luke's doing? Because in her point of view, she wouldn't train Groku because she had a reason why, Mm -hmm. but Luke will. And Luke ends up failing with his attempts at his order. But what if she did something different and hers was successful and Ray ends up coming across her later and it helps the two of them build on a new Jedi, you know, cause that was always something that I have always loved was the order of the Jedi in general. And so when we had this era where the Jedi had failed and that their order fell apart was always a rough sell for me. But when you're looking in this era, you've got what four, five Jedi, you've got Grogu, you've got Ahsoka, you've got Luke. We also know that, uh, Ezra's out there somewhere. So there right. are four Jedi that we know of, mm-hmm. um, I haven't finished the the Fallen Order game, so I don't know if Cal's out there somewhere. But, I mean, you know, you start having quite a few Jedi out there and stuff, and you know they've got to be doing something. So, like, you know, maybe the Ahsoka story is something along those lines. Like, maybe we'll find out what happened with the other Jedi and why they weren't around at this time frame or something. Like, right. I don't know. I think about those things. Like, that's the interesting thing about what they've done with the characters from the show and they've gotten flack for it because some people have said, you know, oh, this show is just, they're just piloting other other shows. And at the time I was like, well, but whose show? Well, now we've got Ahsoka. We now got, uh, you know, Boba Fett's show. We've got the Ranger show. And all these are set supposedly in the same time frame as this show. So it's, it's cool because like, you know, you have, if you had to say Supernatural with 15 episodes, right? And 15 seasons. <laughs> right. uh, and this is the way to do it without doing it. Because <laughs> right. you can have all these shows building a bigger universe. And yeah, they occasionally tie in and stuff and give you a grander picture of things. But by the time the 10 year period of star Wars storytelling and the TV frame is done. We're going to have such a big, you know, think about like with you go into the Marvel uh, section on Disney plus and you go and watch them by order and stuff. You can have something similar like that here. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have this era that you're going to really be able to flush out from different points of view based on the different shows and how you're watching them. Like, and I think that's going to be something really cool and fun to watch because you and I have had that experience as readers of the books and the comics, right. because they do that with events all the time where you get to read about something from another character's point of view. And it gives you this, this bigger, broader picture, which in a sense is exactly what they've been doing with the seasons and the story plots from episode to episode, telling the season wide stories. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just brilliant storytelling. I, I, I think in that regard, I would almost want to see Favreau write a book. I'm ready for it. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I, like I said, I, I'm just, I, I want to just keep him, you know, uh, keep him busy. Yeah. Keep him, keep him working on this TV stuff. You know, like, right. like I said, I don't know how much other than of course the, you know, uh, 
Book of Boba Fett, I don't know what other stuff he he will be attached to. Oh, and then of course Ahsoka, but I the answer needs to be all of it, you know? Like mm-hmm. um so that's that's what I want to well, see with it. Isn't it funny too that you know, you take this season and you apply it to the sequel trilogy, right? Mm-hmm. Both of which are telling an overall story, both of which are directed by multiple directors, but not both of which have a story that felt like it was seamless all the way through. <laughs> you know, it's it's amazing that, that the, the TV show has more directors and different styles per episode, and yet it all still feels like it's the same story. That, I think, is a big testament. Because yeah, of the fact well, that, you know, you look at the sequel trilogy and in the end it was only two directors filming three and yet it's just so disjointed in what you get at times. And yet with, you know, eight different styles going on and yet they all feel like it's the Mandalorian, you know, each style is vastly different. Like when we get the speeder bike chases versus the ship chases versus the, you know, just going across the, the ocean or watching the crate dragon at the cave, they all feel like they're in the same universe mm-hmm. the entire time telling the same story. And you never feel like you've done more than just went from one track to another with a five second overlap. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think what it comes down to, it's, it's just, there's still, it all comes back to having one person at the head that has, that unified vision and Mm -hmm. you know you you don't have two conflicting visions i mean go back to um you know the original trilogy Uh, you know we had uh george lucas irvin kershner and richard marquand and you know so the but it was still george helming everything you know what i'm saying i think that that's just what it comes down to um it's i don't even know that you know different people have opinions and i certainly have mine but i don't even know if it's a right and wrong as much as a you know black and white type of thing you know you you mm-hmm. have to have uh, you know if, if you're if you're going with this color palette you can't switch to this color palette you know that yeah, you gotta have some vastly different. yeah yeah and and so I, I think it just comes down to that I mean, imagine how much things would be different if Dave and John loathed each other, right? Like, I mean, when you watch them working together, you see a general love for what they're doing and a mutual respect. Now, if that wasn't there, could you imagine the nightmare scenario of what we could be getting in storytelling? Like, that that's, I mean... I don't know if that was ever intentional that, that someone just saw that those two worked together or it was just a, the natural metamorphosis of, of what was going on with who was in the room at the time. But you definitely see a bromance between those two. And, you know, like I mentioned with that one comment, the fact that Favreau, the guy in charge, won't do anything without talking to Dave first, that is a mad mutual respect right there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know they talked back at, uh, you know, Celebration Chicago. They had mentioned how, um, you know, basically Favreau was working on Iron Man uh, over at Lucasfilm while, um, uh, you know, Dave was working on uh, the Clone Wars. And that's where they sort of got to become friends and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's it's that. I think they both... Um, were kind of, um, you know, I mean, they, they were kind of both doing their, their big thing at that point. And I mean, you know, uh, Favreau had done several stuff before that and everything. I mean, it, 
guys, even an actor, you know, like he, he's been in several things before that and all, but I mean, Iron Man was his big movie. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I I feel like if, if you're going to say, um, John Favreau and, and you're wanting to attach him to something and you're only going to attach him to one thing, what are you going to attach him to? It's Iron Man. So I think that when you look at like someone who's doing their best work and then you look at someone who's doing, um, you know, basically brand new and just kind of launching into their career as to something huge uh, like Filoni at the time. I don't know. I think there was probably, yeah, I mean, I I could see a special bond uh, forming there and, you know, that's, you know, it's just kind of pulled out of that. So, you know, looking back on it, Favreau's first installment in Marvel was like you said, Iron Man. Mm-hmm. His first installment in Star Wars is about a guy wearing Beskar iron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, you you can definitely see some of those influences and stuff, you know. Um, of course, like the, the Dark Troopers sort of seemed like, uh, you know, Iron Man suits or whatever. But I don't know, man. Like, I, th- I think he's. You know, I, I think it's it's bigger than that. I think it's it's more than that than just being like, oh yeah, this is basically just Iron Man. So I see how it works. I'm like, no, I think that it's not. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's a lot of differences there, and I think it's just that he's a good storyteller, and he and he knows how. I think he knows how to sort of lock in with the you know just the the regular people and and know what we love and what we want to see and and you know how to to give us those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's definitely the right man for the job. That's for sure. Um, man, I, I look at these and like I said, I, the three that stand out are always going to be the heiress, the Jedi and the rescue. Mm-hmm. But when I think about the next round, you know, like what would be my next tier? I would have to go with, uh, it's, it's tough because I almost would say I would go tragedy and the Marshall as my next two on, on the best tier with uh believer and the siege next with passenger being, like I said, my bottom one of them all, they're just, they all have different elements that they bring that bring enjoyment. Uh-huh. And I think that that's, you know, representative of what I've always said about star Wars. doesn't matter what product book, comic movie, uh, you know, game, every one of those products is going to have a great moment and a bad moment and a not thought out moment and, and just everything in between. And even, these episodes are the same because like, you know, the passenger being my least favorite one, that spider chase scene was on point. That was yeah, a scene that had my skin is. crawling. So, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, there were some great moments in each of these. And for me, like with the siege, that speeder bike chase on that one was just awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, believer getting to watch the juggernaut and watching just that, that whole back and forth was really cool. But I wanted to pick your brain about that okay? because, you know, I, I didn't get to talk with you after that episode. It came out mm-hmm. when Din gets his face scanned by the Imperial archives. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you, do you right. think that that was just a, a, a Capta? They were just trying to make sure he wasn't a droid or do you think that he might have some connections with the empire from his past? You know, I, I don't know because it's something I didn't think about at the time. But then a lot of other people had mentioned they're like, like what, like what is that about? Like why would he have you know the basically the face scan give him clearance? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, and- I, I I when you 
put it like that, my immediate thought was, well, we don't know if Boba Fett did the same thing and he was a bounty hunter like Boba Fett. So maybe at some point he worked in the Imperial service and therefore his face scan is in their system. But wouldn't that be him breaking the, you know, the, the code though. You're right. So I don't, I don't know, man. I don't, Hmm. You know, I like at the end of the day, like it, it, it's a, it's a bit weird. I would say that unless they had a specific idea with that, that they plan to, um, you know, to bring about later. Thraken Sal Solo. What? <laughs> yeah, no, no, hear, hear me out. Okay. Just how Han Solo okay. had a twin looking cousin named Thraken Sal oh, Solo. Oh, no. What if Din has a twin no, brother who was no. an actual Imperial? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> No. If before we get that, I want I want them to say that the Luke we saw in uh, the Last Jedi was actually Luke, and <laughs> and that that was a clone that did not realize that he was actually a clone, and that the real Luke Skywalker was actually out there with his own. Like, if you're gonna if you're gonna get that silly with it, do that first, <laughs> and then get back to me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, Timothy Zahn. So silly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. Now, one thing I don't think that we've got an answer to is what's in those pods that the one doctor uh, from Camino and stuff has. Like, you know, I think we're assuming that they might be clones of some right. form or fashion, but there's definitely something, I, I feel something more sinister uh, going on in the background here. Whether that sinisterness has to do with just Palpatine himself mm-hmm. or you know continuing on soldier programs because that definitely you get the feeling that that's what gideon is doing is right he's basically doing like thrawn did for the uh tie defenders <laughs> like i got these troopers over here these <laughs> ones don't even need people they're all droids hey! <laughs> <laughs> all right uh you know i mean look i really really want it to be a situation of um you know, like, like I, I want it to be them um, creating, uh, f- you know, force users. Like, like that's that's the plan. You know, that they're um, these sort of super soldier type things, right? I don't. Again, I don't want it to lead to Palpatine's resurrection because I, I don't see how that is an enjoyable storyline. You know what I mean? Like, we already know that. You know, like we we've seen that happening. Like if you didn't know that's what they were doing, and then it happened, that would be one thing. But knowing that that's a thing that comes about, I don't need to see that. Like I want to see something cooler. Like I, I want something that we haven't seen before, um, or or something maybe. You know, like if it was something from uh, the books or video games or comics or something like that. You know, uh, fine, do that or whatever. But but don't give me something that is so obvious, I guess. See, and, and for me, the obviousness raises more questions. Cause for me, I'm like, if that's what they're doing, if that's the only thing they're doing, which is why I don't think it is. But if it was the only thing they're doing is just trying to find a way to make a perfect clone body for Palpatine. Mm-hmm. Cause the best they could do right now happens to be Ray's dad, who they decided to let live. Um, it, my question then comes into 
why did we wait this long? And what has Palpatine's soul been doing? Sitting in a jar all this time? Waiting for a body to be created? I was at the <laughs> bottom of that shaft and no one come to get me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I definitely am like, hmm, on that. I I want to ask you another question, though. When it comes to the rescue, uh-huh. um, you know, you and like me are big fans of Katie Stackoff. Mm-hmm. So you've seen the gambit of the different things she's done in her career. When she's on the bridge of Gideon's ship uh-huh. and Din walks in and he's got Gideon and he's got the dark saber in hand, every facial expression she has through that entire scene. When I watched it, I could not see her doing anything other than her villain face from the fl- uh, Flash. And I can't remember what her character name was, but she had a villain on there. And and I swear to God, man, when you watch that, the second she sees that Darksaber, it's like she's just channeling that character. And for me, that got me beyond excited because I'm thinking the possibilities the next season, right? We know that she's going to go to Mandalore. She's trying to get it back. We know she's trying to get the dark saber for a rightful claim on the throne. And we know that Din has pledged himself to help her in these pursuits. So it's like, to me, we're going to Mandalore next season. That seems clear. Yeah. No, but I'm what I think say, will yeah. be really exciting is them playing with the idea that she may turn on him at any freaking moment mm-hmm. and maybe even doing it before eventually coming around and, and them teaming, you know, finding a way to be buddies still. I'd rather not see her do a 100% descent into darkness, although that would be a cool, you know, it, like uh, Queen Daenerys kind of thing. But it makes sense to have her have that moment with him where she does try to kill him. And for maybe season three, she's the bad guy. Until events come around where they're back on the same side. Because I feel like the only reason why she would be in that role is because of the traditions surrounding the Darksaber and whatever came about with her losing it. I feel like there's a lot more to that story because everybody's like quick to say, oh, well, but Sabine gave her it in the same way and she didn't. But it's like, well, clearly Gideon or somebody brought up the fact that she got it outside of the the traditional means and that had to play a part with her losing her position and the respect of all the clans and Mandalore. And I'm sure once she lost Mandalore, the respect of the clans went with it. But I, I have a feeling that that is what's playing on her from not reaching out and just grabbing it from Din in that moment. And I would love to see her kind of have her, you know, Lord of the Rings one moment. It's mine, my precious kind of thing. And turn on Din. Like, I, I don't know. Like, do, do you see that? Or do you see that going a different route next season? I mean, I, I can see somewhat, right? Like, I think that it, you know, I think they purposely built up some tension there. Um, and, and we'll see where it goes. I mean, I, I've seen people, you know, mention that they think that, they'll end up as like some sort of power couple or something like that. You know, I like, I, I think that um, there's a lot of different possibilities. Um, my biggest thing is I want, I think if we're going to get that right, like if we're going to be retaking Mandalore next season. I really would like to see them go back to, you know, whatever year it happened, but I, I would like to see the fall and right. I would like to see Gideon get the saber, and then I would like to see that sort of you know juxtaposed with um, them reclaiming Mandalore. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like no, I, I, I could see them doing that easily enough because when you think about the the Eris episode and how 
Bo-Katan's character dropped everything about the, the children, you know, mm-hmm. oh, you guys are a bunch of out, outcasts. You guys are all a bunch of fanatics and like all that background. I was like, oh man, that's perfect little dump. And I could see him doing something like that to give us mm-hmm. that in the background, especially like if you go and say, come across, say the great grandson of one lie to you, Almec. <laughs> yeah, it, was a, it was true as far as his you know bigotry right. was concerned right. right so i mean i think i because i'm still i'm still trying to tie in sabine in my mind at uh-huh. some point sabine should be showing up or family of sabines and i would think at that moment would be a great time to drop that little bit of stuff well what about when my sister gave it to you well that would have been great if someone hadn't pointed out to blah 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 you know like I, the way it happened in Eris with so much of the information about Din's past and his clan that I was hoping to find out and it finally dropping and that much at one time, I could easily see it happening with just bringing in any one character from the Ren clan. Like Mm -hmm. that, that alone would be your avenue for that because they could throw that out there. They would have that information. So, I mean, I still want to know how she's going to factor in because that's also my aspect of Ahsoka Tana when she showed up. It was like, when people were like, oh, Ahsoka's coming, they're like, oh, they're going to, you know, they're going to put her in this. It's going to become the Ahsoka show. And I was like, no, Ahsoka's got things to to do. You know, I mean, there's still part of me that's like, you know, she may end up with the spear eventually, maybe reforged with a circle at the end. And we find out that, you know, her going off to find Ezra isn't even in the Ahsoka show. That all of these shows take place before the end of Rebels epilogue. I mean, That'd be kind of crazy too, because I still want to try to find out, you know, that moment of Ahsoka going, getting Sabine and the two of them going off to look for Ezra and Thrawn, but they never mentioned Thrawn in the prologue of, or the epilogue of Rebels. We could find out that Thrawn's story is over and done by the end of the Mandalorian or at the end of the Ahsoka story and that they go off looking for Ezra because Ezra was never with Thrawn. I mean, there's so many things there of how those line up, you know, and as you were saying, you know, getting to the finish line for me, that's one finish line that I can't wait for when we get there. And I have that entire map of what the course looked like and I can appreciate the marathon for what it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cause I mean, Dave did make that mention where he, he said, you know, something's like, well, that's not necessarily, uh, you know, so basically talking about the, the, the timeline for, um, that ending of rebels wasn't when we expected it to be. So yeah, I don't know, man. Dave, he's a joker. He's always, always trying to make us <laughs> think, be like, wait, what? I don't, I don't know. I don't know her anymore. So right. yeah, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm with you, dude. It's, it's, um, it's all kind of up in the air. And like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Like I'm, I'm excited to see where it all goes. I, yeah, I think that obviously it being its own separate thing, where she, you know, her and Sabine go find Ahsoka. That seems to be the most obvious. Uh, but maybe not. Maybe they're, like you said, maybe they're gonna go another route with it. Like I don't, I don't know. I don't. That's that's why we're here talking about it. You know, there's, right. <laughs> there's, and I, that's where I get to when I was thinking about that originally. That's where I was like, oh, maybe she'll do something where she ties into Luke's order. Like you know, like maybe while Luke's trying to find ways to train, you know, Grogu, he l- reaches out to any Jedi that are still alive through the Force and and contacts them to try to help him reestablish the temple. And Ahsoka's like, it's a bad idea, dude. No, don't do it. Like I, I talked to the Mandalorian and I told him it was a bad idea to train him, but Hey, that's on you. You know, I mean, 
it could forever, you know, dominate your life, this decision. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I also, because I've seen some people saying that too, about saying like that, you know, it was kind of arrogant of Luke because, um, you know, that, um, uh, um, oh gosh, what, what was it said? That, you know, where he said, I'll protect this child or? Well, yeah, just like that is arrogant for him when Ahsoka said she wouldn't or whatever, but Ahsoka's the one who, told him you know basically how to go get in touch you know to um you know take it to the stone or whatever to so reach out and mm-hmm. um you know then of jedi or whatever so in the way that you like th- that would not make any sense whatsoever to try to state that oh okay like you know she was the smart one to do it and, and luke was arrogant and and that he shouldn't do that like i, I you know, it, see, and I, I see it more the opposite way. I don't see it as Luke being arrogant. I see it more as Ahsoka being afraid that she's letting her fear of what happened to her master cloud her judgment in this case. And I mean, you could say, yeah, she's got a reason to to fear that way. But I think that that's where that that meme is so great. Like, I would love to see her find out that at the very end, Anakin came back. And I, I truly think at this point, she does not know that. And I would love to see her run into Luke and have the two of them have that conversation. Because I think that that would fundamentally change the way she thinks about those things. Because she definitely doesn't think like a Jedi would in most terms. And yet, when it came to training Grogu, she 100% was thinking the way a Jedi would. Mm-hmm. She's like, I ain't doing it. Whereas Luke, he's seen redemption at this point. He still he knows that it's never really too late, which... I guess makes Luke later in life so much more tragic because he lost that lesson. But uh, to me, like I, that's, that's one of the things I, I think about when it comes to the differences of how they're approaching it. And I really think that Ahsoka is just consumed with that fear of, you know, all it takes is a powerful person to fall to a connection to someone. And she could see that he had that connection to Din. And I mean, honestly, that's, that's the other side of why I want to see what happens with Grogu. Cause like, you know, what kind of, what does that fall out for Din? you know, not being there look like for Grogu, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, again, I mean, like I said, we'll see how things go, but I I think there's more, you know, that, uh, we could be seeing that. Like, I would like to see a, um, you know, like, like, let's see a, uh, like a really cool post, uh, you know, post, uh, galactic empire, um, Jedi series, you know, that could be really cool. Right. So, right. Um, my, my pipe dream there is, like I said, seeing Ray reestablish the Jedi. I would love to see something like that. Um, you know, and even give a new Jedi order twist, you know, have a new invasion of somebody else and do it in a different way where, you know, you can do new, new creations of, of who the invaders are, but to watch Ray and her group go up against it, like Luke did with his, like, I think that'd be kind of an interesting take, especially considering she's even more removed from what Yoda's order was through the events of what happened in the saga and yet through what she was given by Luke, she's closer to the Jedi of original more of the light of the Jedi era than Yoda's were, even though Yoda was around during the uh, high Republic era. (laughs) Yeah. The thing is though, the only way we would actually get that is if it was in a book or something. I mean, uh, Daisy Ridley's done, (laughs) you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's well, not. and when it was when she said that, that really made me start to think like that. Like, what would you know? What could we do in that regard? Because I would love Daisy Ridley, uh, you know, her character of Ray and Poe and Finn. 
were my favorite characters of the sequel trilogy characters next to Ben himself. Right. Mm -hmm. But Ben's not going to be around after this. And even though the actors probably won't do anything, you're right. The books and the comics are the way to tell their story. And honestly, I think they should, I think that that would be a, a good thing to do. I mean, I don't think you're ever going to see their story in a TV series on Disney plus. <laughs> mm, yeah. And if they do, it's going to be a long time down because you know that they're not going to be using those actors. And you know that the fandom isn't ready to see anybody, but Daisy Ridley playing Ray right now. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. L like I said, I, I just think just in general, you know, the current, uh, you know, the, the current, uh, mindset is or, or at least the, the current right thing to do is just to chill you know <laughs> like i said i think i, I said yeah. you know don't don't get too far uh, ahead you know like there, i just don't see any point and i mean we've got you know 30 years to play with right between between the two events i just don't see any um any good reason to to jump that 30 years so um, I think there's there's plenty of stories to tell and stuff and see how things go and, you know, see where they how they feel like tying it together if they feel like tying it together down the road. Well, I know one thing about season three, we're going to have a whole new ship. <laughs> I hope not, man. I pre-ordered that thing. Uh, I, I hope he just finds another one that looks just like it. <laughs> well, honestly, that's the, see, this is the best way to address the fact that he never named the ship, right? Have him go out, get another razor crest and be like, what are you going to name this one? Same as I did the last one razor crest, but that's the, that's the make and model. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, I don't know, man. Yeah. I, I hope. That <laughs> yeah. I, I, I want to see them give us a, um, you know, I, I want to see him go get another one. I mean, apparently it's not like it's this big expensive ship or anything like that. I mean, you know, that Mon Cal just really kept dogging it. So uh, it's like the Dotson pickup of its time. Yeah. So, you know, if it's if it's not that that great of a ship or, you know, anything, but he he seems to like it. then I hope he goes gets another one just like it, because I just spent like, what, three hundred dollars is what the the, the well, HasLab thing cost. The upside too is then you have a new paint scheme. You know, you could have the exact no, that's same. That's not an upside. Stuff. I don't need to spend another three hundred and fifty dollars. Uh, what are you doing to me? That's true. I'm killing you. I'm killing you. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it needs to look exactly the same down to the blemishes and everything, all right? <laughs> oh man. That is what uh, cracked me up about that one episode too. Though is like when you get to the end and you're like, the cockpit is worse than it was when he landed. What the hell? Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know what was going on there, man. That was, that was some jacked up stuff. But um, yeah. I, oh. I mean, is there? Let's see. Is there anything else that we? You know, I, I don't know. I like I said, I, I, I really like uh, what we've gotten. You know, you mentioned the believer. I, I ranked the believer pretty high. I, that was an yeah. episode that. I think if you really think about it and really, um, you know, pay attention and watch that, because like the the thing about that that was so cool or or not so cool that just it was heavy at least was they're sitting there when those pirates, you know, quote unquote pirates are attacking. Those are good guys, you know. Din's like killing good guys at that point, and you know, and and that's the thing is you know having, um. You know, Mayfeld try and talk to uh, 
to him about it and everything. And you think he, that Mayfeld's trying to justify his actions, but he's trying to really sort of explain, you know, that, that um, you know, Mando's a bit self-righteous in it and, and that, you know, people aren't as evil as you think they are and stuff like that. And, and I think it's, it's a good, like, I think it's kind of says a lot for how we should see each other. Right. Instead of, I mean, so many people see there, there's too much like factionism or whatever, you know, especially, you know, you go hop on Twitter and, and people just calling for the blood of, of others and stuff like that over just like things. It's like, yeah, but th- that's a person, you know, like maybe they're wrong, but you know, they have, you know they're they're human they they have other think qualities you know you don't know like what good they're out doing in the world besides you know the fact that they didn't like that movie that you liked or whatever you know like right. I, I think that that's i think there's a lot more depth to what was going on in that episode and and you know i i think it made for a really good episode i mean it's you could see he was just you know, he was completely boiling over when he was sitting there talking to that. Uh, I can't remember what the guy's name was, but the the one that was his um, the Night King <laughs> from Game of Thrones. Oh, is that who that was? That's who that was. Yeah, that's funny. Okay, yeah, I, I didn't <laughs> notice him without all the spiky bits. Um, but yeah, I mean, he when he's sitting there talking to him, and and you know, and he's basically just like, I don't remember any of that stuff, and um, <laughs> you know, basically just saying like yeah you were all just numbers like I, I don't really care about human life and everything and he is just you know he looks like that meme where the kid's face is red and um he's <laughs> like cheeks are puffed out and everything like that's that's what mayfeld looked like in that moment and you know i was like man he's about to pull that gun but they just kind of just let it hang for another second and then another second and another second and then just shoots him and then he and <laughs> uh you know din look at each other like well, I guess we're shooting our way out of here now. <laughs> yeah, I, that definitely had a great buddy cop feel to it with the two of them. And I, the whole time I was waiting for Mayfield to betray him. I was just like, oh, my God, he's going to do it. Yeah. And then when they got to the end and, and uh, you know, the the Cara Dune's like, oh, it's a shame he died. I was like thinking, oh, they're going to have him on the team. Like he's going to be their sharpshooter. I was like, I really felt like we were building an A team Avengers here. And, and then he went off and I was like, Oh, he's not going to be here for the final push. Well, (laughs) I mean, I I think he's, like I said, I I could definitely see him, um, in, uh, um, you know, in, in, uh, some episodes of maybe like the, um, the, you know, Rangers of the new Republic, they may, he may come back and do some guest stuff or whatever, but I don't know that he's a sharpshooter, man. That, that was Fennec Shan's job. She was, she was picking them off as soon as they got out there. Cause I was like, wait, what just happened? He like, was that a mess up? Cause he didn't aim his blaster. And then it just cuts to her, you know, with right. her, her sniper. I was like, Oh, sweet. <laughs> dude, dude, the, the, the women on that last episode, when those uh-huh. four girls came in, just, shredding the walls shredding everyone standing like that was a holy hell moment like i was one that really enjoyed the a force moment in endgame just because you know i i recognized what it was referencing and i thought it was a cool nod to the fans right but that one didn't feel organic like this did this oh was there was just, nothing organic about that right one. right it, it was it, it was a very forced like okay yeah. yeah maybe maybe peter just happened to land where they all happened to be uh, it was very tongue-in-cheek as as how it could have ever been an organic way but yeah. this oh man and i love the way like 
you know, Bo's like, we're going to do it in two groups. And he's like, I go alone. You're yeah. like, all right, then we'll go this way. Yeah. <laughs> like, damn, man. And the, the, the gag of the gun going and jamming for Cara Dune and when she gets it unclogged and when she goes through the door and she has it working again, the look on her face, is just pure badass. Like I, it reminded me of all those old uh, Vietnam war movies where you got the guy with that gun, just letting loose and having a blast or predator. <laughs> Same thing. Like she owned that moment and I absolutely loved it. I was like, oh, yeah, so it, was, great. it was really cool for sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it, in fact, I think I was trying to look up and see uh, because I was a little taken aback by the fact that A, it jammed, and then also that they referred to it um, as a gun and not a blaster. But mm-hmm. we actually had someone uh, reach out and say that um, uh, Luke said, my gun jammed in A New Hope in, in the trash compactor. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, so when all the music disappeared, and the first time in my life I was aware that you could do that in a movie. (laughs) Like, where's the music? This is really creepy. Like that that was still to this day one of the only times I am I'm coherent or coherently aware of Uh the fact that there is a lack of music and it made the scene more suspenseful. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's I mean, it, yeah, if you do, I mean, that's the thing about music is, you know, or, or just sound in general. It's it's not just about um, how often you, uh, you know, how often you, you uh, or, or, you know, when it's on, but also when it's not. And, you know, I, I think uh, a pr- perfect example was one of my favorites, um, you know, one of my favorite sounds in all of Star Wars, which is the the seismic charge. You know, where it just gets quiet and then just like, you know, love that moment. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's I mean, it's definitely top five favorite uh, um, like Star Wars uh, uh, sound effects. Oh, yeah, man. I don't know. I could go on and on about this season. Um, One thing. If you had to compare this one to the last one, I, I've seen the variety of opinions. A lot of people felt like the first season was more unique, uh, drew them in more. I feel like the second season was, you know, no longer establishing what the show was. And so at that point, they went full in on story building. And where I appreciate seeing those characters come through. I know some other people don't. They feel like it makes the universe smaller. I I find it's it's bigger to me because I feel like it adds importance to the stories that I'm watching when I see important characters from the films cross into and then out of these shows. Because it's like, okay, mm-hmm. they are all connected through fate. And I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. But, um... I don't know. You got anything else on it? I, I think I'm trying to check here. I, I don't, hmm, I can't think of anything else that we've not really hit on that. I really want to No, Yeah. It's uh, pretty much, pretty much there, man. Um, it was nice to go back to Tatooine again. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it was nice to go back and see the uh, the droids and that whole relationship between Din and them change. Uh, there's a lot of nice things about this season in all its little small moments. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I look forward to what we're going to get next season. Um, I would like to see at least one more season, if not two. I would love to see this so- show be a five-season show. Yeah. Especially in the aspect that it's probably easier to have anybody play inside the helmet than, you know, having scenes where you have him take the helmet off. Mm-hmm. So if Pedro Picasso, Picasso had to do anything else, <clears throat> he'd be able to go do his stuff and you'd still be able to do the show if you had to. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I, I constantly, I wonder about that one because like with the other shows and stuff, I do lean towards, I think they'd be better served as miniseries. But at the same time, this show, I'm loving it so much. I don't want to see it as a miniseries. I want to <laughs> see this as being a longer you know, the longer thread going through it or the big mosaic in the center of the tapestry that all the other tapestries on around the outside embellish and embold and make, you know, a better canvas overall. Um, mm-hmm. But I think for me, otherwise, I, I'm pretty much, I don't got anything else aside from just gushing about the things I loved about the show. Well, <laughs> let me ask you this then. Uh, I mean, how did, did you flip out when you heard um, Thrawn's name used in uh, live action? I, I got excited. It, it added a lot more questions because then I was like, okay, what all does Ahsoka know about Thrawn? I was like, you know, I'm going back to Clone Wars and Rebels and stuff, and I'm like trying to establish, like, did she ever run into him and this, that, and the other thing? How is he tied in? Is he actually the mastermind or is she just searching down something else and it just happens to be a name drop? Like, I got excited because I just the idea of seeing Thrawn show up in a live action is probably as exciting as watching Katie Stackoff reprise her role in live action. You know, like that's a really rare occurrence in star Wars in general, that a character like Thrawn finally makes that jump over. Just like Mm -hmm. it was very rare for a voice actress to get to do the same character on two shows. And then they actually get to be the live action version of that character. These are things that you don't normally see on TV. So I think that's pretty cool. So yeah, I was definitely excited, uh, but it got my brain just, I was ticking away on things like, Ooh, what could this mean? So let me ask you this then. Uh, So if, if we see him actually show up in live action, who do you want to see uh, play him? Oh, gosh. That's a hard one. I've seen so many blue-skinned actors. Um, <laughs> that, that you know, I mean, I've seen a lot that would work. Um, but for me, when I, when I think about who I was trying to envision when this first originally came about, I'm, I'm a uh, Cumberbatch. I, I think he would do it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, yeah. He, you know, he makes a great Sherlock in the Sherlock uh, BBC shows, and mm-hmm. honestly, I mean, that's the biggest reference Thrawn gets is being a Sherlock, and so you know that always worked. And I've seen so many of of his pictures where he's done up as the Admiral that I really kind of think, like at this point, I've seen it enough that that's kind of where my brain goes to when I think live action. But uh-huh. I've seen enough others that if it's not him. All they really have to do is drop the tone of the voice and, and match that with what we've got on the Rebel show, and I think I'd be okay with pretty much anybody. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot of uh, great people that I think uh, w- would really fit that. I don't. My thing with Cumberbatch, I guess, um, is that I think he's. I don't know with him being. Uh, um, 
I don't know. He's just he's a little too thin, I guess. Like he just eh, like mm-hmm. I don't know. Like like I want somebody with a little bit more you know, a little more muscle tone, I guess, than him. I don't know. <laughs> and, and maybe he's not as small as I'm thinking in my head right now. You know what I mean? Like, right. I just, there's just, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I would like it to be someone else, right? Um, someone that, of course, uh, came to mind immediately for me, uh, thanks to Celebration Chicago, was Pierce Brosnan. I, I don't know if you saw it when they did their big uh, mural. Uh, the the artist who who actually uh, created that, I guess they decided to um, base Thrawn off of Pierce Brosnan. Oh, so I was like, oh, you know what, Pierce Brosnan would make a really good uh, Thrawn. So, like, I, I think that's a great pick. Um, you know, outside of him. You know, it's, I'm 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 trying. I'm actually trying to just sort of go through and think who I want. Because the thing is, with like with most actors, I feel like it's hard to sort of get that. Um, you know, like he's got to be clean cut, right? He's got to be like, he's got to have a little bit of toneness to him, but he can't be jacked, right? Like you can't have like Henry Ca- Henry Cavill's awesome, but like he's way too big to be thrown, <laughs> right? Right. Um. So yeah, so I'm like I'm trying to think. I'm like, hmm, who who would be fun? And thing is, and they could just get somebody that is just much less, you know, known than than somebody that that we would think about, right? But, mm-hmm. um, like I said, I'm I'm trying I'm trying to go through and thinking like, hmm, who who would be like who who would be really good? Uh, and like I said, it's it's kind of hard to to come up with anybody past. Pierce Brosnan. I think that was actually a pretty good pull. Nice. Well, you know, just one thing that always has been intriguing me about the show as it played out was, you know, when Jakku happened compared to this show, because, you know, when you first see, uh, you know, the stormtroopers, when Din first comes in, they're all dingy and dirty and stuff. And then you see Gideon's they are all nice and shiny. And I kept getting this feeling like Jakku was still yet to happen. Uh But reality is it's actually already happened, right? This show uh, takes place yes. nine years after the Battle of Yavin. Five Jakku years. takes place five years. Yeah, yeah, five years after. So basically four years after the Battle of Jakku, um, I believe. Right. So, I mean, originally when I heard Thrawn, I was worried that Jakku still hadn't happened and I didn't want him coming back just to die at Jakku. Um, but knowing that Jakku has already happened, then knowing that Gideon's stormtroopers they're all shiny. They still, you know, look good. It actually makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. Also, it kind of makes more sense in the Thrawn character aspect because this would be how the character would have been introduced in the books. You know, the Emperor's fell. Uh, here comes this charismatic Grand Admiral, and he's picking up the remnants of what's left of the Empire, and he's turning them into a threat. Mm-hmm. That we could see play out. Um, and whether or not this Empire of his ends up joining the first order or goes off to become like, say the emperor of the hand, like it did in legends. I, that to me is what, what is also intriguing about bringing Thrawn in because it mainly made me think of, you know, where the empire sits at this moment, what the galaxy's perceptions of the empire. Are. Cause you know, like Fett, when he sees the ship up, he's like, they're still around like, Whoa, Oh snap. Like just all these great little moments and lines and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, and that's like I was saying is, you know, I I think they've got, they've got directors. I don't think that it has to be just this, 
you know, very rigid path that they have to follow. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, um, they, they could go a, a couple ways with it. And in fact, so I, you know, cause I'm, I'm trying to think cause it's, it's bothering me. And so I'm trying to, uh, uh, come up with, with some people. I, I got two more for, uh, for Thrawn and then I'll, I'm, I'm done. Okay. Tell me what you think of these guys. Zachary right. Quinto, I think would, would make a good Thrawn. I'm down with that one. I'm down. Yeah. Especially after Spock. He could, yeah. He or, could, yep. Brandon Ralph. I'm going to look this one up. How do you spell it? Uh, I think it's R O U T H. Oh, 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 Superman. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, I actually what? think, I actually think that's my favorite one. I think Brandon Ralph. I, yeah. He's got the right hair color naturally. Mm-hmm. He just put like a little blue tint into the, that yeah no no those are all those are all good yeah so that's yeah that's my that's who i want now i i, I will say I, I do think that just by dropping the name i feel like they've set a, a timer in motion that it's just a matter of time before we do see him though uh-huh yeah taken away yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I i think he's i think he's definitely going to be up there it just comes down to who it is but i think yeah now i'm set on brandon ralph Come on, Disney. Listen to this <laughs> this episode. At, at least listen to this one. All right, so that you can hear my plea, and and <laughs> and, and uh, get get Brandon Ralph in there. I think you'd do, do it some too. He's a, he's a cool guy. Um, uh, fun fact: he actually invited uh, my wife and I to a it was a private art art auction. Um, nice. Yeah, but we ended up not getting to go because I had to run back to help my dad with something. Um, but it's, it was actually, skunked. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I hit, and everybody's like, what? Why? I'm like, I, I know, I know. I can, you know, um, what happened was he was at uh dragon con and, and this is the funniest thing ever. How, you know, how a lot of times the, the actors they'll throw like at, uh, um, you know, uh, Comic-Con and stuff, they'll put on like a, just a stupid little helmet or something and walk around and, you know, a massive people can't tell who they are. Right. Right, the incognito mode. Uh, he he did something similar, and it worked, except for uh, my wife, actually, was the one who noticed him. Uh, he dressed <laughs> up as Clark Kent. <laughs> so he was walking around dressed up like as Clark Kent, and nobody noticed him. <laughs> and so my that wife is, actually... How do you miss that? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so my, my wife actually realized it and so um he was like he was actually happy um about it and so um he actually like gave us we had a little uh like flyer thing or whatever it was like a little invitation basically for his uh little art auction that he was holding that night so yeah that was it was pretty cool so make him throw on <laughs> that is awesome yeah yeah i'm down all I'm right hashtag throngs Make Superman Thrawn. <laughs> yeah, make Superman Thrawn. There you go. All right, man. Well, um, won't you tell everybody, of course, all the places that you can be found? 
Well, you can find me at the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division of Podcasts at www.starwarsreport.com. I'm on Beyond the Films. I'll be recording this Tuesday with Riley for the Star Wars Report. Uh, you can find past episodes of the Padawan's Perspective on there. Don't do any new episodes of that because my Padawan's now an adult and she feels like that's wrong. She feels like once she's a knight, she can't go backwards. That's not how the Jedi work and that's not how <laughs> she works. Uh, so I'm trying to talk my littlest one to take her place. Although that might be a little confusing. But yeah, uh, I'm out there also as a Logical Rogue 2. Although if you're playing video games like Call of Duty or Fortnite, that's probably my son. Um, but yeah, that's me. I'm out there doing things. I'm TikToking now too, Mike. I don't know oh my I gosh. No. <laughs> oh yeah. No. Hours of hours of uh, 60 TikToks at a time wasted. Oh my gosh. Oh. <laughs> Why? <sighs> I blame my daughter. <laughs> I try to keep it Star Wars related, though, for the most part. I'm so disappointed. <laughs> well, anyhow, <laughs> if anyone would like to reach out uh, to us here, you can find us not on TikTok, but you can send us an email to themandocast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at themandocast. Uh, you can actually find my personal Twitter account, uh, which is just at Morris Isley. Uh, but in the meantime, Thank you for listening. I uh, wanted to remind you, just go ahead and click subscribe uh, and, you know, leave us a review on uh, whatever podcatcher you're using and um, wait for our next episode. But until then, that's been the show. We'll see you next time. <laughs>